0: Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, a Toyota Igo Cross Launch Special Edition. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. Toyota Igo X. Cross. It's it's written as X, but it's pronounced cross.
1: Okay. Otherwise, if I don't pronounce it right, then the people at Toyota might get
0: cross with me. Yes, exactly. But uh, th- the thing is, it, it doesn't really make sense, does it? Because you've got the Yaris Cross where it's spelt out C-R-O-S-S. There's the forthcoming Corolla Cross where it's spelt out C-R-O-S-S. For some reason, for the youth, it is spelt with an X. Cross with an X.
1: Because the eye goes smaller so they can't fit it on.
0: Uh, maybe that's what it is. Not enough room for the badge on the tailgate. Yeah, mm. exactly.
1: See, so we've solved that problem.
0: Yes. So what what is this then? Come on. Obviously, it is a replacement for the venerable Igo, uh, which had been around for just over a decade from memory. That's what it is. Uh, Previously, the Igo was developed along with what was then PSA, so uh, Citroën and Peugeot. And, of course, it spawned the Citroën C1 and the Peugeot 107 and 108 models. That alliance joint venture has been dissolved. It is now a Toyota-only model. Designed in and only for Europe, also available only as a five-door hatchback and not as a three or five-door hatchback, as previously. It's built on the same line as current generation some of the current generation Yaris at Colin in the Czech Republic, and that's K O L I N, not uh, not. <laughs> yeah, you have to spell it out. Yeah, as we are an audio only. <laughs> what more do we need to know prices prices start from the pure model which is still relatively well spec to be perfectly honest uh, the pure model at 14795 pounds on the road and that's with a 5 speed manual gearbox and it goes up to the limited edition which will only be available for the first 6 months of production with the cvt gearbox and that comes in at 20740 pounds on the road but it's worth mentioning that the limited edition is kind of covered in everything you might want and expect uh, from almost any size of a hatchback there is only a one propulsion system propulsion method available to you which seems rather old-fashioned these days doesn't it uh, there is a one liter 72 horsepower three-cylinder petrol engine it is not a mild hybrid it is not a full self-charging hybrid it's definitely not a plug-in hybrid and it's not an ev for reasons that you will hear uh, relatively soon it is just a petrol engine all the same, CO2 emissions are ridiculously low. For the manual, it's about 110 grams per kilometer. And for the auto slash CVT, it is about 113 grams per kilometer. So really incredibly low. And the fuel consumption is also particularly low, despite it not being hybridized in any way, shape or form.
1: Well, this will be one of the last purely ice engines then
0: <laughs> yes pretty much it is but it's for various reasons that will come that we'll come to in the interesting segment of this which is my chat with Stan Peters then he will explain how they have achieved that and why okay what other options are that uh, metallic paint is 560 pounds as an extra on the pure model but it's otherwise standard on edge exclusive and limited edition specs if you want the chili red bitone that's red and black like dennis the menace then on edge and exclusive specs that will cost you 280 pounds extra other metallics are included in the cost okay there is actually no colored tax here exactly colors at launch are named after spices there we go there is the cardamom don't go there it's not just the color it's the whole trim and feel and stuff. Oh, there, were, there were presentations andrew there were audio things to listen to yes uh so <laughs> cardamom is the green available only on the limited edition with the orange uh it has a little orange accent. if you want to see what that looks like look at the 150 video uh, on our youtube channel uh, youtube.com slash motoring podcast And you will see it there from all the various angles. Uh, Chili is the red of the car on the thumbnail, and it will be the thumbnail for the podcast as well. So if you've seen that there, then that'll be that. There is also ginger, uh, which is a sort of metallic beige with black on it. And there is also juniper, which is quite a nice blue with black highlights as well. And those are your launch colors. There are a few other options. Uh, there's a parking pack for £295, which gives you front and rear bucking sensors, as well as the standard reverse camera. There's a JBL premium sound system for £495, so you can listen to your pump in tunes through all your many speakers and your subwoofer under the boot floor. And last but not least, there is the £895 electric canvas roof, which is really good, I quite like that. One of the cars I drove had that. Oh, and the petrol, five-speed manual, or a CVT with seven synthesized gears available via the flappy paddles.
1: When you say synthesized, does it remove the advantage of a CVT in being smooth? Uh,
0: only if you're flapping the paddles.
1: Okay, right. So, But if you left it to do it automatically, you just it's just constant progression?
0: Yes. Okay, cool. We'll come to that again later, but yes, yes. Thank you. There is no noticeable silliness anyway let's take a quick break from us waffling uh well you waffling and flick over to the interview with stan that i recorded in barcelona at the time this was a launch we went to barcelona drove the car for a few hours sat around ate spanish food looked at the beach was terrible uh, stan and i recorded i think i stayed at the start of the interview stan and i were recording this in one of the display cars that was outside the beach club we were at so apologies if it sounds a little bit weird and if there's some background noise we did our best here we go so i'm joined by stan peters an alumni of the motoring podcast <laughs> uh. <laughs> and we're actually uh, if it sounds a little bit weird we are recording from sitting inside an i go cross outside a beach club Uh, just outside Barcelona, so don't feel too sorry for me. Uh, But Stan obviously was very heavily involved with a a car that's dear to my heart, which I don't even need to say the name of because long-term listeners will know. Um, But you're heavily involved with the RSGRM. Come on, say it again. Yes, please. Thank you. there we go. You see, it makes him happy, and a happy interviewee is a good thing, generally. But Stan, you've also been involved now with the new Igo Cross.
2: So what was your... What was your role in that? Okay. So actually, I'm in a department called EZ. And the Z department in Toyota globally Mm -hmm. is actually the, let's say, the decision center and coordination center of the whole vehicle. It typically delivers the chief engineer. And I'm one of the, let's say, assistants to him. project like this is so big that, each of one of us gets his own field of expertise that we manage, we coordinate, and we take decisions, Mm -hmm. whether it be styling, vehicle dynamics, um, even mass control specifications, and so on, homologation, you know, the uh, the whole series. The interesting part about our job is that we are probably the only division that overviews the total project. So from concept and styling, a real sketching towards the final the day that we are in today actually yeah. the launch of the vehicle showing it to the public and uh, joining podcasts yeah and um, uh, and that's the that's the interesting part of it and that's why also the decision power is put in our division Because, of course, you're required to know the history and why the car is conceptually like this Mm -hmm. and why we've made these kind of decisions before you can make the other decisions. And and that's quite unusual
0: in new car development, new vehicle development, isn't it? Because, as you say, it's such a big project that people
2: normally only work on a tiny, tiny little aspect of it. Well, it's true, and on top of it, it's the first full model change development that we've done in Europe, in Mm -hmm. Toyota Europe, uh, based in Brussels. So it comes also with capabilities that you need to develop along the route, let's say. Um, And having that overview, of course, if everybody knows their tasks and execute them perfectly according to time, resources, and budgets, a little less to do for me. Uh, But of course, that never happens. No, it's a project. Projects never, ever run that way. Well, and then you've got Corona hitting us during exactly in the middle of the development. We've got a ship being blocked at the Suez. We've got some fires and snowfalls in Texas, and I can continue, actually, the whole mayhem that came over us over the last three years.
0: Yeah, and and that'll take up an entire podcast on its own, I think, if we did that. Goodness knows. Um, But you were saying that this is the first full model change uh, that, that you guys have done. Obviously, this the, the the Igo Cross is very different from the Igo that preceded it.
2: Um, it is. It is um, uh, conceptually mm-hmm. very different. Uh, we've made some bold choices. We also kept some what we call Igoness in it. Mm-hmm. For example, we're here in the interior. You can see the air vents, which are which are really I, typical. I did right. notice. Um, There's still the eyeball style with the slats, just like the previous generation. But we're still revised and re-engineered it to give it a better touch and feel, a better operation, and so on. So, you know, Toyota never just blindly copies and carry over. We always do some Kaizen, Mm -hmm. you know, what's called the continuous improvement. The seats were on, they look similar, but then completely uh, re-engineered, actually. So, um, apart from that, it has much more similarities to the other family members of the TNJB platform. I was going to say, because it's...
0: Uh, th- this segment is the a segment i don't want to call it a city car because i don't actually believe it is a city car but this a segment is a very difficult segment for manufacturers at the mm. minute we see more and more pulling out of the segment and at first glance it looks like toyota are doing a, a, doing a car on your own this time you've got no peugeot and Citroen; it, it is purely a toyota product absolutely and the first thing is well, where are the savings being made? How can you make sure that this was going to be a, a profitable vehicle if it's only a Toyota? So I assume that there's there's commonality.
2: Absolutely, and don't be mistaken. We also believe that the small city car must be profitable. Mm-hmm. We're not we're not doing this for the pleasure of our customers. You're Toyota. But you
0: very rarely do things for
2: absolutely Um, giggles. um but we do. We do feel that. All people, uh, of which budgets and requirements they might have, deserve a solution and deserve a proper car. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the, where the affordability for all, mobility for all, leaving nobody behind is not so just a slogan. It's really like a concept that's within our company. And yes, others are, are leaving the segment, but it doesn't mean that the customers disappear, right? No, exactly. Uh, uh, I think the whole segment is like a good 1.2, 1.5 million customers. Mm-hmm. A good, I think, half million is re- only remaining. So where will you put the 800,000 customers in? Exactly. So we're definitely trying to attract, trying to give them a, a decent product, which is affordable. Mm-hmm. Affordable means a good price. Need to make a bit of margin on it. So I need to control my cost. Absolutely. Yeah. The joint venture is gone. So those scales of economies no longer exist. But we do have a platform. And sharing a platform, which is from the beginning designed to go also to an A segment size, allows us for a good, depending how you compare it, 40 to 50% of components sharing, and another good 10 to 15% of components that share a base design, but that you actually modify for its uh, usage. Okay. So there is, again, the scale of economy, but it works in multiple ways. It means my design resources mm-hmm. um, don't need to be tripled between. I'm talking Igo Cross Yaris Yaris Cross. Yes, um, my engineering and manufacturing resources don't need to be tripled because a platform benefit is that you have actually one carrier, one line mm-hmm. in the factory. And indeed, in France, we're producing Yaris Yaris Cross on one line. In Colin, Czech Republic, we're producing Igo Cross and Yaris, also in equally one line. Right, I didn't know that. No. And that's, and that's a big, yeah, that's a big benefit again. Again, shared investments with a proper return on investment. Okay, talking about that kind of shared investment cost, one of the things obviously
0: is that certainly in the UK, uh, Yaris is only available as as a hybrid. Similarly, mm-hmm. Yaris Cross is only available as a hybrid, but Igo Cross is only going to be available as what i'm going to call a pure internal combustion engine so there's no hybrid there's no there's no pretense of mild hybrid or any of that was was that a cost primarily a cost saving decision or was that driven from
2: something else it's a very conscious concept um and from that concept so the concept says you need to have an affordable car so that's price driven Mm -hmm. so expensive solutions like our hybrid, but equally the mild hybrids on the market, um, don't really work unless you would really need them. And the fact is that we don't need them. Right. This car is with the normal ice so with a normal internal combustion solution the most eco-friendly or fuel fuel efficient, I would say, fuel efficient car in the segment. Mm-hmm. So the need isn't there. So why them putting unnecessary expensive technology in it that doesn't make sense. Heavy technology, and you've seen it in the electric vehicles as well, create an even bigger problems in smaller cars because the weight you need for the batteries in an A-segment car would be more than 50% of the total weight of the car. Right. right? Okay. Yeah. Just to put things in perspective, and weight is the biggest enemy of a energy-efficient solution, mm. right? Yeah.
0: More, more weight. You've got to try harder to move it at the same speed. You've got to try harder to slow it. You've got to this, this absolutely. it's the whole Colin Chapman so, thing, really, isn't it?
2: Absolutely. Hey, and there we are with Lotus again. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
0: that was not planned and not intentional, everyone. Yes,
2: absolutely. No, but it is true. So going low low weight on this on this solution, just to give an example, allowed me to save 20 additional kilograms on the full suspension compared to the Yaris Habit that you mentioned. Wow. So I mean, it all makes sense. Mm-hmm it really has some of the other aspects of this car make
0: it seem to make it particularly suitable for i've just said it's not a city car and i'm about to say make it particularly suitable for city use i've driven this this both versions so i've driven both the manual and Mm -hmm. the cvt Mm -hmm. today one of the things that amazed me was how well this handles speed bumps so I go cross, jack it up. And it's got cladding. And you know, listeners, you know that the Motoring Podcast likes a little bit of cladding. So this is a <laughs> win for me already. But it amazed me. How much
2: do you spend a lot of time developing that kind of detail? So, well, it's, actually, you know. It's not a. It's again, not, um, not coincidental. Okay. Uh, this car has something very, very particular that is very unlikely uh, to be seen in the in the industry, and that is unique tires. Right. And so when you say, indeed, comfort, and when I said conceptually, no coincidence, I said, we don't make compromises on styling. This was number one on this mm-hmm. car. So 18-inch and standard 17-inch. I mean, standard, se- the first Yaris. On I a segment. <laughs> yeah, the first Yaris
0: I bought, the standard, it was, basic wheel size was 13 inches. Absolutely. And now seventeen inches. I, I, I'll Talk about it elsewhere
2: in the podcast, I'm sure. But this is a good-looking little thing. This is this is really cute. But then, usually when you would say bigger tire sizes, you talk about heavy wheels, a lot of unsprung mass, uncomfortable, very harsh ride, mm. um, limiting steering angles because of the big tires, and not to forget a lot of friction, so fuel economy mm-hmm. goes bad. This is. A normal thing in the engineering world, let's say. Okay. We've reversed that trend mm-hmm. by developing a unique bespoke tie for this car with three manufacturers just to make sure that there's enough competition and enough supply also in the aftermarket. And we've given them the task saying, okay, the total wheel hub should be same as a 15-inch of RS. So with our 18-inch, we are equally light as a 15-inch Yaris. Gosh. We are as comfortable as basically what a 15-inch tire would give you as well. We have a turning circle, which is smaller than the outgoing IGO.
0: Yeah. Can I just quickly, to give people reference on that, so the turning circle in this is Uh, 4.7 meters is the radius. The equivalent for a London taxi, which is the benchmark for everything, is 4.25 meters so it's almost as tight as as a london taxi and uh, i tried that out a couple of times today just
2: it's amazing isn't it it really is it
0: really is coming from someone who's used to a car with an almost infinite diameter of turning (laughs) circle it really
2: makes it so much more agile it absolutely absolutely does and then the, the final thing which is an engineering miracle is that actually its friction coefficient, the rolling resistance, I should say, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a bit different parameter, actually, is a good 30% better than the previous P- previous tire, actually. You know, the one Gosh. that was used on GT86, and uh-huh. it, it got so much uh, attention to it. At that time, Michelin said, wow, this is our world record lowest <laughs> rolling resistance. And now we just, we, well, you know, we simply go one third better than that one. It's really amazing. And it makes the car, even though it's bigger, even better in fuel efficiency than the outgoing Igo. So, mm-hmm. again, engineering miracles do happen.
0: Worth mentioning, by the way, this car is a little bit bigger than mm-hmm. the outgoing Igo. So, it's quite a bit longer. It's uh, quite a bit, absolutely. And, yeah. and about just over 10 centimeters wider. But again, it's actually lighter,
2: isn't it? It's not. Uh, Per se lighter, but if you compare the body in white, okay, so the steel casing, let's say, yeah, so mm-hmm. naked car is actually lighter than the outgoing one, even though it's growing 18% in volume. Yeah, so you have this, yeah. you have this big carcass of steel. It mm-hmm. grows. You add, of course, safety stands because the safety requirements are much more strict than they were 15 years ago. Yeah, and we still go lighter in total weight so that's uh that's yeah absolutely contributing we were talking
0: a few minutes ago about keeping costs down and uh, then different part of the conversation i mentioned that we've got that, that it comes as a manual and as a cvt is there a particular reason for it being a cvt as opposed to an, an automated manual <laughs> well
2: asking that question is actually answering it because I. Well, I haven't. Well I haven't worked. driven. I haven't driven any attractive, automated manual gearbox before. Not from Toyota, in all due respect. Even though at that time it was the best mm-hmm. available technology, um, but it was never appealing. Okay. Um, and the competition is, if possible, even doing. Can I say that they're doing it even worse? As
0: long as you don't say so, who so, it is, it should so be fine. Guys, don't
2: that. do that. <laughs> so anyway, anyway. I think it's it's very clear that we've listened so carefully to our 15, almost 17 years of customer feedback that we've gathered on the outgoing IGO. Mm-hmm. And definitely they, they would love to have a CVT, but it was always too bulky, too big, too high costs
0: to it, fit in. And it's worth reminding people that you, uh, uh, Toyota, you do know a CVT because just every single hybrid since the... Prius mark one prius' a cVT box epicyclic yeah. cVTs
2: well but but you do know that of course in the, in the in the world of technology it is a different solution yeah so it's mm-hmm. a but it it they need work under the same principle um you basically you put your right foot down and the system decides what rpm and what power it'll give you to accelerate and 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 to keep speed now this one is very particular because it's a uh, compared to the normal combustion uh, Yaris, that now I understand is not supplied in the UK, mm-hmm. is actually twenty-five kilograms lighter. Wow! Uh, so, and that's that was a breakthrough, and um, because of that, and our lightweight, we could also ditch what we call the the starting gear. It's like a, like a fixed gear that makes you going in the traffic light conditions. Right. You know, crossing roads where you really need fast response. Mm-hmm. But we could actually remove that one as well. And that made it compact. And that's why it's called SCVT as well. S stands for small, Um, just to highlight that it's it's one of the most compact systems. But because of the car is so lightweight, actually, we could tune the responsiveness of that system so well that in most of the city condition, it's it's responsive is better than a manual transmission. It's quicker than Mm a manual transmission. That's a fact. Uh, And in real-world driving, especially traffic jams, uh, traffic lights. Like, I've heard you've been into Barcelona (laughs) City. (laughs) I guess they hold a world record. I was was driving the manual. Oh, my God. Then you you felt, by fact, why people would like a CVT in a city center with traffic lights.
0: Actually, it was one of those ones where I got out and I thought, I made a fundamental mistake this morning when I was offered the choice of the manual of the CVT. It was like, Alan, you should have taken the CVT first.
2: Absolutely, and especially if you're going, whether it was a choice or not, you went into the city centre, and then the, the, the CVT proves it's all its benefits. Mm-hmm. Now, what I personally like, and I know in the UK you have a you some of you have dynamic driving uh, driving styles, a lot of roundabouts. Yes. Now What you don't like to do is basically you need to reduce speed before a roundabout, but you don't want to necessarily brake, right? Mm -hmm. CVT systems, hybrids, and so on, they don't have so much engine brake because they go into the lowest, most efficient RPMs. But then you have the pedal shift system, and you just put one, two gears down, RPM increase. You have a bit of engine brake, go into the roundabout, throttle up again, and Yeah, you're right.
0: I actually did that uh, coming down hills through some bends uh, when I was driving the the CVT, and it it works really nicely, actually. And even on roundabouts, it is. uh, I I know I sound like I'm just parroting what Stan said, but it it (laughs) does. It it is actually a really nice, responsive CVT. There isn't. There's a little bit of engine revs rise, and then and then the car goes, but there's none of the yo-yoing. That mm. that I know that regular listeners will know we've talked about in some manufacturers CVTs before. There's none of that. It goes on, and then you feel like you're on an elastic band being pulled up. It actually goes, and it does go quickly. Mm. And you know some things which can can thwart CVTs, like joining uh, joining a motorway, for example, where where they can have a little bit of a fit. Then, but I didn't find that happening with this.
2: Mm. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm really happy that you've you've experienced exactly how we designed it, okay? okay. It has to be intuitive. Uh, we do follow, so we measure the speed and displacement of your throttle pedal. Right. If you do a slow input, the system will react slowly, gently, just mm-hmm. gives you enough. If you do it quickly, like on a panic mode, it will rev up, give you the power to escape from the situation, overtaking whatever. And yes, of course, it it is still a 72-horsepower engine. So if, if you need full power, you will have RPMs and you will have noise. Yeah. But in the end of the day, it's your choice as a driver. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. But it also means in all other situations, it has to be uh, relaxed, um, low in rafts, low noise, um, and fuel efficient. And that's, I think, is what is the biggest achievement of the CVT, that in most real world driving conditions it's actually doing better than a manual transmission. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that That for me takes all the boxes in the end. Yeah.
0: One thing quickly about CVT does it have gears programmed in so whenever you're feeling, because I felt that that was part of the gear. Yeah. It's not just for the manual.
2: Absolutely. So when you, if you would, as I just described, you went to the roundabout, you need to do gear down with the paddles. It'll do it just for that occasion, and then go back to automatic mode, and just mm-hmm. goes into uh, full automatic. But you can actually s- shift to manual mode as well, and then we have seven virtual gears defined uh, with fixed gear points. Where then uh, imagine some kind of uh, mountain driving or small mm-hmm. hill, small you road, you can then actually run through the gears as you would apply with a manual transition. Yeah, but seven gears, so that's like a super responsive.
0: Which is quite funny, by the way, because the manual is a five-speed. And
2: exactly. So yes, yeah, yeah. so you do get more
0: flexibility. Stan, I, I'm I'm about to have to go and get my transport back to the airport. Ah. I have PR people waving from outside the car. <laughs> so we're gonna have to break oh, it up there. Never
2: keep on waiting. Yeah, as as always,
0: I could I could keep on talking for ages. But thank you so much for giving up some of your time to chat no, to us today.
2: Thank you for uh, for coming around. It's it's might have not been as attractive on paper than the Irish GRM, <laughs> but I think as a product. <laughs> really deliver and it's and it's something that will um uh, that will make heads turn in uh in the uk as well yeah I'm really, no, sure. it's
0: it, it's a smart little thing I'm very glad to be here to try it so great but thanks again my pleasure Cheers. okay well
1: that was excellent thanks so should we run through the normal segments that we typically have at this point
0: Yes, now we've covered i think most of the technical stuff we'll probably skip most of technology but uh but yeah let's let's zip through zip through this and and, and give some feedback and thoughts on on some of those looks wise what i couldn't say when i was speaking to someone important involved with the, with, with the project really was it does look a bit like a smart 4-2 and baby yoda had a child that was then modeled by fisher price and I mean all of that in a good way. This is a cute little, <sighs> wow. this is a cute, <laughs> chunky little thing. It is. It is. Oh, it just reminds me of the baby Yoda and the Mandalorian, if you look at the front of it.
1: It looks interesting and different and fun. So we should applaud that.
0: It really is. Yeah. Yeah, and, and this, remember, this was all designed at the Total Design Center. I forget the correct name of it, but it's at Sofia and Tipolis, just outside Cannes in the south of France. It's properly European and properly properly funky to go along with it and, and designed for our tastes and sensibilities and all these kind of things. So this, this, this ain't no China car, folks. And I think it looks great. It's not overly slashy. It's not overly aggressive or anything like that. But it does have that sort of chunky ruggedness to it. Now, I think the closest view, I spent quite a lot of time thinking, what does that remind me of? What else is the, that's that sort of A-segment hat, lifted up a bit, seats four, five doors, Suzuki Ignis?
1: I've got Panda vibes as well. Like I say, the Mark They're, 1, more than yeah. the the latest generation. <laughs> but it definitely gives off the impression that this would be a safe urban vehicle because it's got a bit of cladding because it's slightly raised up and it looks like it's
0: could sort of like i can shrug off a bump or two Mm. just in the looks yeah i mean it's it's i've seen previous generation i go parked in parked in cities and there's there's quite often a ding in the 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 front wing or the or just above the wheel arch where, where somebody's let a door go or something like that and this looks like people have walked around a city marked up where all the uh, where all the <laughs> current generation i go c1 and 107s get get hit and damaged and thought well we'll put a little bit of something there that's not going to get that's not going to nick and it's not body colored and these kind of things but i love it i think it's not overly fussy but i think that some of the detailing is really nice so there's lots and lots of part share in this okay as stan said Costs have been kept down. Lots of part sharing with uh, Yaris, Yaris Cross, GR Yaris uh, as well. So, for example, the wing mirrors, exactly the same as a Yaris. And so they can use that and they can use that part and it's, it's perfect. But some of the ones that are specially I go only, like the headlamps, for example, they've not just gone, we'll make a really cheap one. They've actually gone to the bother of making really nice, really nicely detailed parts and things.
1: They are intricate they are surprisingly they are. intricate for the entry-level mm. vehicle to the whole brand yeah and and therefore the price price is mm. building price is key let alone selling price
0: exactly and and remember that they've they don't have the quite the economy of scale that they had previously but mm. having almost identical parts to the peugeot and the citroen instead they're sharing them internally they are actually still driving that economy of scale. You, you heard that stan say it there's no need for me to repeat it really but the little bits which are unique to this are nicely detailed and the bits that aren't unique to it are already nicely detailed because they're meant for vehicles higher up the range anyway mm-hmm. quite nice really really nice and, and stuff like the the tailgate is one big panel of glass and stuff Th- that that Sort of thing is carried over, so there is a certain amount of design language that that's come across. One of the things you'll notice about the Igo Cross is it is quite wide. It is actually built on the same track as again Yaris Yaris Cross, so it's not extra skinny. That means it's almost square because it is a short little thing, <laughs> uh, and the wheels are very far out to the corners as well. So it's little and it's square, and that I think just adds adds to the looks and, and they're and making the a gr version way. of
1: this now you've said all that
0: i believe not because the head of design whose name i've forgotten is it uh the same chap who's responsible for the lc500 so we we're standing having drinks with him at the launch did you In tell Barcelona. him how much i love oh, his I car <laughs> <laughs> yes i did actually yes and we mentioned that so a couple of us were standing there chatting I mentioned that and he said, no, 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 no. But wouldn't it be cool? Cause you could lower it and have wider arches and all. And he was getting really enthusiastic about the idea of, of a GRI go cross, but the way he was talking and the way he was just kind of coming up with ideas leads me to believe that he, I don't think that, uh, no, there's not one on so it. it Speaking to technical people, there's just not enough space to do to put any other engine in, or to do anything which would make it GR enough. Okay. Uh, and from a styling point of view, I I, th- I don't think it had been widely considered too far up the, the food chain. Although I'm sure that some engineers are already playing with the idea.
1: That's a shame, particularly looking at the stunts.
0: Yes, lots of people were making fun of me. I can't imagine why. I'm going. Wouldn't you love that? It's really cute. Uh, one of the other things you'll notice are the large wheels. So the wheel, the entry level wheel diameter is eighteen inches, something ridiculous at eighteen inches. But they're very narrow, so it's a little bit like the not quite a skinny, but a little bit like the uh, BMW i three.
1: Oh, that's what I was going to say. That's big
0: wheels. You, narrow.
1: Looking at it, and now you said how narrow they are, and I, I can actually see it in one of the pics. Hmm that really does come across as a, an i3 element
0: hugely low r- rolling resistance I'm, I'm repeating stuff you've already heard but it's hugely low rolling rolling resistance lots of little details like this that make it really economical and mean that they don't need the hybridness if you're wondering about goodness me if it's custom tires what's the cost uh, toyota developed it with three different manufacturers three different competing manufacturers so in the aftermarket there should still be competition to keep costs down clever yeah just the whole thing's clever stuff like the rippled roof which means it keeps material costs down so and then because you can now use thinner metal which keeps the weight down which keeps the fuel consumption down which blah 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 lot of stuff like that this is just so clever
1: it is amazing what comes out when you give people very strict constraints oh yeah we've we've said this before in different things, but if you give someone such a really tight, difficult brief, mm-hmm. the stuff they can come up with actually tests them more than going, go create a sports car. Uh, you're
0: speaking to a product design student here. So, yeah. But, yeah, it's it's just the, the solutions are great, and they're right the way through it, and they're right the way back to sort of root cause analysis type thinking. Oh, my God, everyone. I know. <laughs> I, know I know. Alan
1: is we almost talk? going to
0: explode. <laughs> Shall we go? I was, I, yeah. uh, and we
1: have for this by the way we have temporarily paused the drinking game obviously because alan has to speak about something he's driven this is not fair on us as listeners or alan that he went out there to drive this for us then to start saying drink every five seconds that's that's unfair yes totally
0: anyway inside
1: take us to the inside then because we you've talked a lot there about the outside yeah so it's clever on the inside
0: Uh, Yes, well, yes, mostly, yeah. Uh, So this is not a car for carrying five people on long motorway journeys. For a start, it only has four (laughs) seatbelts. It's an A-segment car. Let's have A-segment expectations here. So the boot is small by most car standards, 231 litres. That's 60 litres bigger than the Igo in the the previous generation. It's 12.5 centimetres deeper, so that's, what, five inches or something? quite significant Uh, it's regularly shaped it's quite tall it's really useful size boot for an a segment car say 230 liters with the the seats up 829 with the back seats folded and that's up to the window line as well so that's pretty that's quite a lot of space uh, once you fold those Uh, there are curry hooks and there is a light back seats are quite neat Lots of shoulder room, obviously, because they're only for two, yet it's still relatively wide car for its segment. There's enough knee and foot space for smaller adults on short journeys. But headroom can be a bit tight if you're long in the back, especially with a canvas roof. You lose an inch or so, and you're a little bit sort of wedging yourself into the roof. Um, okay. So that's something to, to watch out for. Uh, tall people don't really want to be in the boot for that long. The rear windows and the rear doors open by hinging out as is kind of traditional on the iGo previously. So so they do sort of pop out type rear windows, so you can still open them. Uh, That's more than some other competitors, like the up, for example. I don't believe the rear windows are uh, and the up. Up front, uh, comfortable seats, single part back and headrest, as again, iGo tradition, keeps costs down, blah, 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 blah. All the dashboard and stuff is all ovoid, it's all curved. There's a single cluster in front of the steering wheel, which is lifted straight out of the Yaris and the GR Yaris and the Yaris Cross, but with minor trim differences, believe it or not. Um, And, you know, different sort of trimming of the leather and that kind of thing. But the structure and the button layouts are all exactly the same. The air vent looks
1: really funky there on the picture. Just the the front uh, by the driver's door.
0: Yeah, while some stuff, like, as I say, the structure of the steering wheel is shared with others. There are some things which they have they have kept because they have become over the years a sort of IGO signature. These sort of spherical air vents with the sort of slats through them, like the old uh, breakfast time TV logo, logo thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, so it's got those, those sort of, that's sort a of vector art type thing. So those swivel around and then you turn them sideways and, and, and point point the air that way or you can turn it up the way so it's just or you can see it's concentric circles and it's blocked it they've kept that so they did those uh, but they made them a little bit better according to understand okay there's some things like that so there's actually quite a lot of heritage carried over to the Igo. they haven't just chucked it all out the window people like that it's a cheap solution sorry it's a cost-effective solution it's a little bit of a—it's not surprise delight, but it does bring a smile to people's face.
1: Well it's shown sure there's that. some effort been paid, even though it is where it is in the uh, in the model hierarchy.
0: Hopefully, from what I've said so far, this is not a lazy car. Um,
1: yeah, no, no that's you know, definitely it's country. a
0: big seller. It's a big seller, so it's worth it. Middle of the dash, large touchscreen for ENTS and nav. But most anything that's a button, the actual fact, the screen and how that works is different from the Yaris models. But most of the buttons and controls for your climate and all that kind of stuff are shared with Yaris, Yaris Cross, GR Yaris. It's all essentially the same. Also, it's kind of cool that there's colored accents from the outside in. On the limited edition model, for example, where it's the green cardamom outside, uh, then it is orange accents around the gear lever or selector and the central entertainment screen and and the air vents. On the other models, it tends to be body colored. So the one that you're looking at there, Andrew, was taken on a chili red car. So there's chili red on the inside. On the ginger car, which was the CVT uh, with the um, canvas roof that I also drove then it's the, the the sort of metallic beige. Okay. On the inside, kind of nice. Brings the outside in. Obviously the insides of the doors as well There's quite a lot of exposed metal there and painted exposed metal so lots of the outsiders on the inside of the car as well. Again, cost construction. Helps lift the interior. Exactly. Cost construction and it just makes it brighter. It just makes it a nicer place to be because it's actually a bit funky which is kind of cool.
1: Right, so what's the the driving like then because looking at the exterior i think it's a few years before we start seeing them used in 24 hour Endurance races. Yeah. On Mission Motorsport Race of Remembrance.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you're less likely to topple it. That's the first thing. Uh, <laughs> is actually that wide, despite the fact it's a little bit jacked up, that width really gets rid of any sort of untoward body roll. So anyone who's driven mm-hmm. the previous generations of IGO will know that sometimes hard cornering was a bit.
2: Uh,
0: not anymore. Not anymore. The other thing is that those tall, skinny tyres. Actually, seem to cling on quite well. At least they did on relatively dry Spanish roads, okay, early ish in the morning. Okay, it, it's not a wonderfully fast car, um, it's not a wonderfully quick car. The 0 to 62, for example, is uh, 14.8 for the CVT and 14.9 for the manual. So, CVT is quicker, believe it or not. But it will get you up to a top speed of about 90 miles an hour as well. But it might be going a bit hell for leather to do that. Actually accelerating quicker, certainly, than things like the, the i10, unless, of course, you've got an i10 N-line. And it's less hard work to accelerate as well because there's no tiny turbos or anything to have to spool up. It is naturally aspirated. So it, it, it just it just does its thing. Mm -hmm. um and 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 acts like an engine uh cvt doesn't have any lag off the line and there's no bounce or boing uh to it so you don't feel that it's trying to catch up it moves a little bit if you really nail it up slip road or something but it's never unhappy it just does its thing Uh, when i left the hotel in the morning the route i took took me through Well, the route that was chosen for me, let's put it that way, took me through an awful lot of Barcelona traffic. Barcelona traffic isn't wonderfully pleasant. I had the manual. I really wished I'd had the CVT then. Okay. The manual's all right. I mean, these were very low mileage cars, so it's kind of hard to know really what it would feel like after a bit of use. But I found that, A, I wanted a sixth gear on it because it's a very small engine. It just seemed to be working really, really hard. B, you did have to work it quite hard. And when you worked it quite hard, it was vocal. If you were at a cruise, it was fine. If you are pottering around, it was fine. But if you needed to accelerate out of a junction, it, it sort of made lots of noise that I wasn't expecting. I much preferred the CVT okay. um, for those reasons. That, in fact, you get seven gears to play with uh, on your flappy paddles if you are actually having a little bit of a hoon. Uh, and it's really quite good for, um, even just for engine braking downhill. Uh, it was one of the... F- Rare cars where I did more than just flap the paddles once or twice and give up. I quite liked it, actually. It was a lot of fun on the, the sort of road along coming along the edge of the Mediterranean. Oh, woe is me. <laughs> I say, not quick. What it can do is it does actually handle pretty well, uh, especially given those, those uh, skinny tires. And it's a really good momentum car. So once you get it up to a speed, you can actually hold it um, because it does handle well. There is decent feedback. Feed- back through the steering it's not a million turns lock to lock or anything like that it's a nice thing to drive one thing that was really noticeable though was one of the benefits of that jacked up ride height was quite a lot of suspension travel and just being nice and smooth and it rides really really well it's the old thing if you make the car lighter you don't have to have such stiff springs so you can actually bring some ride comfort to it Speed bumps, bad Spanish back roads, getting around to the to the sort of lunch place—all of those things almost disappear. That sort of jerk, jerk you get from short wheelbase cars didn't really seem to be there. It just absorbed them. a Really good job of it. The wide track as well means it's a perfect car for Corby. <laughs> I was going to say with our flipping sounds tank like you
1: you're, you're describing the car you need for home. It is
0: it is give me cbt one of those be perfect for pottering around here because uh, you can straddle the sort of lumps in the middle of the road and it absorbs the potholes and all these things it's just a really good city car um but the thing is it's not just a really good city car it's a really good country car as well i think it's doing it an injustice to describe it as a city car because it can actually get point to point adequately quickly it does absorb bumps and ruts on country roads and country lanes. And it's that little bit high, so it should be able to to climb and go places. So I suspect that this will be quite popular outside of cities and in more rural communities as well. Yes. Yeah, especially as it's minimal frills and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Technology-wise, they have Is there anything
1: you want to add that you didn't discuss?
0: No, not really. What, well, technology-wise? Yeah. No, it's just to say it's got all the usual Toyota safety stuff. All the models have CarPlay and Android Auto as well. There were some connected services come with the car uh, if you so desire, but we couldn't try any of that, obviously, because it was just launch. And one thing to note is we didn't use Toyota SatNav on the launch. We did use uh, Android Auto. It's a different SatNav system to the Yaris. It's a new one. Mm, um, yes, curious that they did that. No more to say on that until I've tried it in the UK or somebody's tried it in the UK.
1: All right, so that brings us around to a verdict. And before you get into your verdict, though, Mm -hmm. I have to say, as someone who is beginning to approach looking at vehicles for possibly the older of his Sproglets, yes, they are that old, in a few years Mm -hmm. to be looking at a car, Mm -hmm. that comes across as one that fills me with a lot of confidence from its stance, from the company it's from, the power limitations in a good way. <laughs> yeah. But also, you know, it, it it just, from looking at it, I feel confident that anyone in it will be looked after.
0: Hmm. One thing that's worth mentioning, by the way, is practical aspects of, I'm going to call them active safety, and I don't mean active safety systems. The thing I meant to mention there was the visibility from inside is really very good. I know it doesn't look like there's a lot of window, but it's 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 form it's it's the sand cat principle. The windows are where you need the windows to be,
1: and with that slightly raised position as well, mm. that puts you above other not city cars, but small a segment cars. I mean, mm. I, I agree with you there that the the whole because like the Ignis, we wouldn't call an Ignis a city car. No, no, it's just it's just the small car mm. in the range. Yeah, and. I think that position, the ride height, the the width of it as well, and the how economical it is mm-hmm. are all big plus points. And I'm I'm only looking. I'm not saying this is the the full market here, but I'm just looking from my perspective that that looks like a great first car if you can afford it.
0: And traditionally, that's been a that's been a key role of the Igo.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you come to if you come to our town and look at the students, there's so many C ones, mm-hmm. Peugeots, uh, and Igos that are the the transport of choice <laughs> for, for the students.
0: I mean, I'm not I'm not really anyone to to, to comment because my first car was a small Toyota, for exactly the reasons that you've been you've been through. The Igo didn't exist back then. Yeah, and I'm sure if it had, then my first car would probably have been an Igo, not a Yaris, and then you'd have a different drinking game. Still involved Toyota. Yeah, because <laughs> Smart didn't sell the 4.2 in the UK at the time.
1: Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted. You were about to give us your verdict.
0: I was just going to say that this is a significant leap in quality over the previous Igo, in so many ways. It really is. It looks dear. When you see the price uh, as a line, as a cash price, it looks like it will be dear, but it will hold its value. So the PCP will be low over time. There will be offers on it. There always have been offers on the Igo. There always will be, and I imagine that stuff like interest rates and things on those loans will be suitably low as well. Really vital for people in this marketplace. This is a this is a car that 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 bought new but be bought PCP. I'll be amazed if it isn't. Um, so I'd expect that to be. To be there. I, I really, I really like this. Um show pictures of my mom she loved it.
1: Is it a gateway into Toyota the brand? I think so. I think it's funky enough to be.
0: Hmm. And Toyota's a good oh god, I sound like a shill for them again, as usual. If only we were paid by Toyota. <laughs> at the minute it's a good brand. It hasn't always been. You know, it's gone through peaks and troughs, but at the minute there's enough Halo cars out right there that that magic will come down onto the igo.
1: yeah but the the non-halo cars are, are good
0: yeah i know but they're not
1: everyone acknowledges so yeah but I mean, not they are they are going somewhere. through a an excellent phase of producing cars that are interesting to look at good value work really well let alone being special
0: mm-hmm. yeah 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 i agree I think it, and that's me saying it, not you. Yes. By the way, for everyone yes. Listening. What do you want me to do? Disagree with you? There's three of them so, on the driveway out there, right?
1: And, there. and like, I, like I said before, if, if only we were being paid by people to say <laughs> these things, we're not.
0: <laughs> I got a jammy Dodger yesterday. That's the Tuttle Brown. I hope
1: you've declared that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> anyway, everyone, I think we've done this one to death. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I'm looking forward to seeing them on the streets. They are available in dealerships now by the way certainly demonstrators so if you are interested do go Uh, you you will be able to go and and buy them this is not something we're telling you about now which will only be available in six months time cool well speaking about time don't forget between now and next time you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts of the show at motoring podcast on twitter and instagram on facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com the hub of all our activities please don't forget to leave a review and rating on app. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you?
1: Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And, Alan, if people feel that you possibly have missed out something, I don't know how, on the go Cross, I nearly said X then, uh, what's the
0: best way for them to get in touch with you personally? Well, first of all, go check out the 150 video on the Motoring Podcast uh, YouTube channel. Uh, that It will be linked in the show notes. I'm sure it will be. But otherwise, you can ask me on Twitter, where I'm at that's Bradley. that's B-I-A-D-L-E-Y. And we, as always, will be back before very long. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.